A lot has changed when it comes to finances, and today we will explore that and why it matters with certified financial planner, Brittany Castro. Yes, you are here. Bienvenida to the Her Dinero Matters podcast, a mixed language podcast hosted by me, Jen Hemphill, to help you become the reign of your money and love your dinero more. If you are needing some inspiration and encouragement at this very moment, you have come to the right place. Gracias por compartir este tiempo conmigo. Now let's jump in to today's Dose of Money Confidence. Hola, hola. How is it going? This is Jen Hempel, your host. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's really an honor to have you here with me. When you think of the headlines about finances seven to 10 years ago, it is pretty different from what you read in the headlines today. We are going to discuss how finances have evolved. And after the interview, I'm going to share with you the one thing that you need to remain consistent with no matter how many changes we see and how much more finances are going to be evolving. When I started this business, I remember there were tons of blogs talking about saving money, making your own detergent, pretty much all the frugal stuff. Time passed the bit and the FIRE or FI movement, financially independent or financially independent retire early, that movement began. And we've experienced since then as well, the side hustle culture where people are driving Ubers, delivering groceries, all that good stuff. And now crypto, NFTs, and things are going to continue to evolve. Also, when I started, you could literally count on one hand, just one hand, like you, the five fingers on one hand, how many Latinos were talking money online. And now, oh my how that has changed, and I'm happy about it. Today, I have the pleasure of introducing you to a Latina CFP. And actually, remember I just shared that I could count in one hand how many Latinos were talking online about money? She is actually one of these Latinos. We are going to be discussing with her how money has evolved from her lens as a CFP and so much more. Let me share with you a little bit about Brittany Castro. She is a leading personal finance expert, a certified financial planner for Mint, whose mission is to teach people the art of managing their finances in a thoughtful and proactive way. As the in-house CFP for Mint, she helps people unlock lasting money-saving habits by breaking down complex financial topics. Lista, let's go meet Brittany. Bienvenida, Brittany. It is about time after following you, I don't even know how many years. And I know I've always had the intention, oh, she should be a guest. And then I don't know, life happens. And then it never has happened until now. So welcome. I'm excited to have you here. Thank you. I know it isn't that wild. Like sometimes we feel like we know someone just through the years of social media connection. And then I realize, like, oh, I've actually never met you <laughs> in person, <laughs> but I feel like I know you. 
Yeah, so I'm excited. Let's go back in time, Brittany. Take us back to your upbringing, because we really always want to know about your money story, the experiences, any lessons that you have had that really have impacted you and that you have noticed in your adult life that, oh my gosh, I have this, I don't know whether resentment, whatever it is for you about this particular issue around money. And it stems back to when, I don't know, a tia or a parent said something or where you saw something. So take us back to that time. Great. Yeah. So I had a middle-class upbringing. My mom and dad still married, very traditional. My dad is Mexican. My mom is like Irish and French Canadian. And it was very traditional in terms of relationship. My dad worked and my mom stayed home and raised the three kids. And so growing up, I remember that I never felt like we were poor or struggling, but we always, like I always was aware there was a budget and there's limited money. And if we wanted more, we had to do chores. Or when we were 16, they said, go get a job. And, you know, like certain things, like we'd go out to eat at a restaurant every now and then as a family, but we couldn't order like appetizer or dessert or even a soda. You know, it was like drink your water and eat your full meal. And if you don't eat your full meal, you're going to eat that tomorrow because every dollar my parents were spending, there was a value behind it. So they really taught us the value of money and it wasn't just ever given or wasted or, you know, there was no entitlement. So I think Now as an adult, I look back and I think, wow, those are such like valuable lessons I learned because I still treat money that way. But interesting enough, there was a time when I was like just graduating college and I got my first job as a financial advisor. It was like sales. So my income was unlimited potential is what they tell you. And I had that, I want to spend money. I had this like reaction to not be so tight all the time with my money. I was always saving my money, but I also had to learn to loosen up a little bit and like enjoy and be okay going to a restaurant and getting a soda, like not that I drink soda, but getting a drink and maybe even a dessert, like, oh my gosh. And then like as a woman, I think just even learn how to spend my money on myself like get massages and that wasn't that wasn't horrible or get my nails done and be okay with it don't feel guilty about it or like oh my god that money could have been saved or I feel wasteful so growing up I think just like the mindset of my dad who is Latino was like okay you save you work hard you don't have debt you don't waste money but there wasn't like this fluid, flowy abundance mentality. It was almost a little bit of a scarcity mindset, like a fear, like we need to accumulate. And it, I mean, it's amazing what he accomplished. I mean, my parents accomplished off of one salary. I don't even know how it's possible what they did. But I think also, you know, that shaped kind of my desire to learn wealth and abundance and to be more flowy and enjoying my money now, not just like for the future, for the future, for the future. Yeah, well, I relate to a lot to what you say. And I'm curious because we have a similar upbringing in terms of our parents being from different cultures. It's just in reverse. My mom is from Colombia and my dad's Irish-American. 
and I was born in Colombia. And I'm curious to know, in your experience, did you see any cultural differences in terms of their perceptions of money? I think one of the cultural differences I saw is my dad. He's very traditional. So like, even if my mom wanted to spend on herself, he was like, this is our income. I work, you know, you like save the money. I don't, I don't know if that's cultural or not, but she didn't have a lot of those cushion to spend money. So even as a woman seeing that growing up, I wanted to rebel. And I think that's why I wanted my own money so much because I wanted to have a little freedom of this is my life. I don't want to be dependent upon a man to give me my money and then control how I spend the money and like have to show receipts every time I go shopping or something, you know? So I think it was just a little, maybe that's cultural, maybe that's just their dynamic of their relationship. But I know that did shape me a lot. And it's interesting now because I think you kind of, I don't know if this is for everybody, but in my own life, I see a little bit more full circle. Like when I'm in relationships with men, I like the traditional way more now than like in my early 20s. I was like, no. And now I'm like, I get it, mom. I don't understand why I'm like, I understand, you know, and it's probably a balance. Like I have both. I was able to like do it for myself as a woman, which I think is very important. And then now I see the beauty of having some of those traditional components as well with money and relationships and that sort of thing. And you started your journey as a financial advisor at the age of 22, which you mentioned earlier. With the experience over time that you have gained and the people that you have served over the years, how has that financial advice changed? How has it evolved? What has changed and what has maybe stayed the same? Okay, I would say a lot has changed even in the last two years, you know, with the pandemic. I think now people are way more open to like the gig economy or like self-employment or just like entrepreneur mindset, even if they have a salary job. So, you know, just this ability to work from home, like look at your finances and realize no one is responsible except for you. I think that really got into a lot of people's heads if they weren't aware of that, you know, like the government, your job could go away tomorrow. So All of those things I feel like are so much more different now than when I started. Because when I started, I felt like everybody was still kind of operating under this. You work a job, you save into your 401k, and they were starting to realize maybe that way of thinking is not relevant anymore, but people were still not clear about, well, what's the new way? What are we supposed to do? But my generation, millennials, I think we started to discover, okay, we're not going to be like our parents who just worked 40 years and then maybe got to retire and maybe got to enjoy their life. We want to start to enjoy. And I think there was a little pendulum swing, like maybe too much enjoyment. And then social media came and people are just like, I'm all around the world spending money. (laughs) Then we're keeping up with the Joneses in this other way that is not balanced either. So now I feel like people are just a little bit more balanced. And I would say another big thing, which is why I love working with Mint as their in-house CFP, is financial literacy is so much more common. Everybody's more aware of it. Jobs, bringing it to their employees, the resources out there. 
financial firms and companies like Mint. It's not just an app. It's like education with the app. And that is a huge difference from when I started. I can imagine. And I'm sure things will continue to evolve. And who knows (laughs) where it will go. Mm -hmm. So you are a Latina CFP, which is a small percentage of all CFPs, as we know. You've also been a CFP spokesperson just to help educate our community and other groups on becoming a CFP. Have you seen those numbers in our community and the Latinx community rise over the years? I haven't seen it rise. However, there is a lot more focus and awareness behind the campaigns to educate the Latinx community about this profession, about getting their CFP designation, which I think is going to help tremendously over the next decade. I believe the percentage is less than 3% of CFPs are, you know, Latino, Latina. So I think just because there has been, especially in the last year alone, last few years, I would say a lot more focus on diversity and awareness of like the type of people in the profession that will inspire more and more. And I would say just in general, the conversations I'm having with individuals, a lot more people are interested in coming into this profession and aware of a CFP designation and what that is and interested in getting it and doing the work to get it. So to me, that's exciting. And I think hopefully over the next 10 years, those numbers will increase. You know, maybe it's 3% now, it could go to 10%. And I think that would obviously be an amazing thing, right? Because it's a more of a reflection of the mix of America. Yeah. And it'll be interesting. I think it'll be interesting to see what happens over the course of the next 10, 15, 20 years, because as a community, we're the youngest community. So that younger generation will be interesting to see if maybe they will step up Mm -hmm. and maybe more will become CFPs. Mm -hmm. Now, when I was introduced to you or when I found out about you, you had your company Financially Wise Women. And at one point you sold it. Mm-hmm. You sold the company. I'm curious to know what led you, because obviously your career and what you've done has evolved over the years. And I'm just curious to know what led you to sell your practice. So that was always a goal of mine. When I started the company, I started a RIA, which is Registered Investment Advisory Firm in 2013. And when I did that, it was called Financially Wise Women. And I always had the vision to have my financial planning clients, but then become a paid speaker and what we call influencer now, creating content as a spokesperson. And like the model I was kind of mimicking was Susie Orman. You know, she was out there. She was a financial expert. She was in the media. She had online products. She had a book. She was doing more than just financial planning. So I was kind of running these two pillars of the company. And I knew at some point, Once the speaking and brand partnerships and all of that was at a level that I wanted to be, then I would sell the client side of my company. And so it just kind of worked out because in 2020, I was able to do it. And it was like, obviously, the timing of the world, it was a nice, nice exit time for me. But it took years. And I tell people, I was running two companies for like, eight years. It was a lot of work. And as you know, it's not easy. And now I feel like, oh my gosh, even like working with Mint, it's like my dream job, you know, like to work and then bring in all that experience of working with clients for 15 years 
on the ground, like in the roots with them is all part of the content and education I bring to the speaking engagements, to these interviews, to my partnerships with Mint. So it is all kind of part of it, but I did have to put in a lot of work and I really enjoyed working with clients all those years. I just was never the financial advisor. That was not like going to be my only thing. Like I was way more entrepreneur minded even when I started. So I had the vision to exit. I love that. I love that you had that vision. And you said it took a while because you said you started the Financially Wise Women in 2013. Mm-hmm. And then you, the exit was at 2020, which is seven years, which I, I think is pretty quick. I mean, because it takes time to build a business. I think so. I applaud you to be able to have been able to do that. And what I think is a short period of time. Yeah. You know, in seven years, and you know, normally the small business owners are either they make it or break it at that time, you know? And thanks for saying it because, you know, it's like until you are done and look back, you're like, oh, it wasn't. But when you're in it, sometimes you're like, oh, I want to do it in four or five, you know? Before we jump into today's content, keep your ears peeled for a unique reveal I'll be sharing midway through the show. It's something special just for you. Of course, of course. Now, I know we could have a whole discussion about this. And I wanted to bring this topic up because I've seen you discuss this when you create content on social medias. And I think you're not that no certified financial planners are talking about it, but there's so much to learn when it comes to investing. And it's overwhelming a lot of people, of course, right? And now enter crypto, enter NFTs. Should we be paying attention to them? Absolutely. We should pay attention. You know, I talked about financial literacy is so important for all of us. Our own unique journeys are all different. We're all at different stages of our financial lives. We all have a different upbringing with money, different education level with money. I think One of the biggest things about Mint I love is that they educate clients and customers about things and crypto is one of them, right? Like producing videos about crypto and how to think about it. What is it? And so it's something we have to add into the tool belt. So it doesn't mean you're going to invest in it. It doesn't mean you're going to buy an NFT, (laughs) but you have to learn about it as another subject of money. And start to educate yourself on what is crypto, what is blockchain, you know, what are NFTs, just one, so you can understand when people talk about it, some of the basics, but then two, so you're aware of the world is changing. So we have to kind of stay involved in what are the changes? What is this thing called blockchain? How is that going to affect the financial world and the way I do banking and the way I invest my money? And like I said, it doesn't mean you're going to become a crypto investor, but you got to start learning it just like you learn about a 401k and an IRA and budgeting. So I think everybody needs to start to see the different areas of finance like that. I just encourage people to take time once a week, you know, one hour. I always tell people do money dates for their weekly money dates. And then part of that is educating yourself on topics. And you might have to watch a video about crypto 
27 times before you understand one term. Okay. It took me a long time. Even in the beginning, I was like, oh my God, what is a blockchain? Like what? And it took me like two years of studying and getting a designation and going to conferences and watching YouTube videos to kind of grasp what is it and how is it going to affect me and my financial life? And then obviously, how do I educate other people about it? So I always like to say that because I'm a freaking CFP (laughs) and it takes time to learn anything new. So don't expect to learn overnight. And then when it comes to investing, I just think with any investment, look at it in terms of your entire financial life. Does this make sense for me? If so, how do I do it in a way that's appropriate for my risk tolerance, the goals that I have, where I'm at financially right now? whether it's the stock market, real estate, or crypto, you should never be investing money you need in the short term. I mean, it's like the same kind of investing principles you apply to this new category. So you'll start to see there is overlap, but it's mainstream. (laughs) It's mainstream now, and we have to pay attention when things become part of the way we're going to do business or do our transactions on our phone, or then that's when we have to start paying attention. Absolutely. And how do we choose? Because what I see a lot, and I'm not a financial advisor, I just provide financial education, but how do we choose what to focus on? Because I see a lot of people where they are, as I mentioned earlier, just overwhelmed. And then you have this added crypto, NFTs, learning blockchain, all of that. So how do we choose what to focus on when we feel this overwhelm so we can just really maximize our wealth building efforts? I think you got to focus on what is priority for you right now. So a lot of times priority for people, it comes to their goals. Do you need to work this year in 2022 on building a cash cushion for yourself? Maybe getting a better handle on your budget and cash flow, which I'm going to tell you 95% of people need to do, (laughs) get a better handle on their cash flow and budget. And I only say that because I was a financial planner and I worked with thousands of people and a lot of people have no awareness around their budgets and what's happening on a monthly basis. So use Mint, use budget apps, use tools that can help you see what's happening. And then if you have the ability to invest, you know, make sure that you're investing in your retirement accounts. Maybe you start to put a little bit into crypto. So it's based on the priority of where you're at. And then I would say focus on educating. It's not that you're going to just like, oh, I'm not at the crypto stage yet, so I'm not going to educate myself. But don't spend 90% of your time in crypto when you haven't even built a cash cushion and you have no idea what your budget is. Do you know what I'm saying? So there's the priority of our time. We all have limited time and resources. You need to be very clear about how you're spending the time. So maybe like, let's say I'm just giving an example. Jen, every week you should spend one hour learning about something in your financial life. And if your goals this year are buying a home and let's say buying a home and getting your budget very organized, spend most of the time, 80% of your time on those categories. 20% of the time, learn something new like crypto, NFT. Probably maybe you'll never do it right now, but learn about it. So that's like a good way to kind of Make sure you're not getting overwhelmed, you're staying focused, but you're not ignoring things that are over there too. Right. And you mentioned budgeting. You also mentioned cash flow. For those that aren't 
very clear on the cash flow, if you can just take a moment and just kind of explain to us what that term really is. I think I like to say cash flow more because I'm a business owner and that's how we like talk about our budgets over there is just cash flow. But also I think with budgets, people just that word in general, as you know, it like has a lot of triggers for individuals. So I always just like to retrain people's minds. Okay, then don't call it budget. It's just your cash flow. So cash flow is money in every month. How much money do you bring in income? Maybe you have a job that pays you a paycheck. Maybe you're a business owner and you pay yourself. What is the income? And then the cash flow out, where does it go? (laughs) Paying your bills. How much are your bills? Are you spending money on variable things? Like how much money on food or dining out or travel? And then are you saving? So it's cash flow is money in, money out. Every person throughout the rest of their life has to monitor their cash flow. It never ends. Even when you're retired, guess what? It's actually probably more critical there because if you don't monitor your cash flow, then you could run out of money in retirement. So I think people just, once they understand that, like, oh, okay, it doesn't need to be feared. It doesn't need to be scary. It's a way for me to just look at the numbers and see, do I need to cut back on certain expenses? Am I wasting money? Which, you know, even like I was thinking the Mint app has a, the subscription tracker. So you can see like maybe you're paying for subscriptions you don't need anymore, which is very common these days. Or maybe it's not that. It's an income issue. You need to make more money. So how much more money? $200 a month? Would that help? Or 500 It's really your friend. So I think the more you can get in that mindset of cash flow is your tool to see what's going on and how to make it better, the better off you're going to be long term. Right. And I think sometimes we tend to fear what we may not have or the mistakes that we're making and overspending. And I always say, well, you have to know where you stand with that tangible dollar amount, because maybe it's not as bad as you think. Right. And you just have to know, like, if you're under a hundred dollars, okay. And you're, maybe you need more income. Well, then, you know, you have to make at least a hundred dollars more. Right. So it's just knowing those tangible dollar amounts and knowing those is really powerful. It's just, I think we just fear that or have shame or of the mistakes that we make or whatnot. And we just have to think just logically instead of with emotion, you know? I'm 100% with you and no one has it figured it out. (laughs) Do you know, like everybody has to do this. I've seen people who have all the money they could ever need and they still, guess what, are budgeting their cash flow, looking at their cash flow and figuring out how do I get a better handle on my cash flow. People who are broke and are asking the same questions. My mom, a few years ago, I was, you know, I have a QuickBooks and um, a bookkeeper and a CPA and I have my S Corp and my personal, but I was always like busy running the business, helping clients with theirs. And I felt like, oh my gosh, I need to get a better handle just on my own. I was doing the money dates. I was doing a lot of the things that I'm supposed to do, but I still just couldn't, I don't know what it was. I felt like I wasn't clear about the number somehow. And my mom's like, just get a freaking pen and paper and get it out and like make it old school. And so actually I have been doing that for like a handful of years now. And I have all the other stuff, all the apps. But the pen and paper is something for me that works every month or every week. I just kind of, okay, got it. And it helps me get very in alignment with my numbers. And actually for me, this is just for me. 
it like took away a lot of that feeling as a business owner of like ah, hustle, 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 because that was what I was trying to get out of that cycle that wasn't good for me. But I somehow picked it up when I became a business owner, this weird like hustle for my money, hustle, hustle. And then I needed to break it. So anyway, pen and paper sometimes is great too. And Bernie, I really love that you're using that pen and paper because one of the things that I teach that I think also holds people back on doing a budget is choosing that tool that works for them and that they can be consistent with. (laughs) It could be a nap. It could be mint. It could be, like you said, a pen and paper. It could be the spreadsheet. And some people fear spreadsheets and that's completely okay. And I love that you, yes, you have all these other things, but you also go back to the pen and paper. So it's about really just keeping it simple and something that you can be consistent. Because if you can't be consistent with it, it's not going to help. (laughs) It's so true. And I think it is really true. It's finding what works for you. Whatever helps you change your behaviors or removes less stress or gives you a better picture of your entire financial life. And, you know, just as Mint's in-house CFP, that's a lot of the messaging. Like use the app, use these tools, learn more about your money, have the pen and paper and the app going for you, like whatever it's going to take. And I think that's just such a great reminder for people. You got to maybe try a few different things and then kind of figure out your own systems that work for you. And only through self-discovery will you figure that out. And there's no right or wrong way. It's whatever way it's going to be long-term for you, helpful for you, and also it's a commitment. It's a practice. It never ends. It's a discipline. So a lot of those old school principles of discipline with money, you know, getting our habits in alignment with what we want in our lives, it all applies to our finances as well. Yes, absolutely. Well, to wrap it up, Brittany, I really have enjoyed this conversation. What would be one tip that you would want to leave us with, especially as this is her dinero matters. So this is for primarily Latinas. What would you be that one tip, financial tip that you would like to leave us with that would empower us? Yes. So my one tip, which is something that really impacted me in my own financial life was always keep your eye on the money. And what I mean by that is if you're married, if you're single, if you're young, if you're old, always keep your eye on the money. So be involved, be involved in your financial life, learn what you need to learn. Even if someone like maybe your partner or spouse is taking care of it financially, still be involved. And I think that kind of mindset keeps you empowered, keeps you in the driver's seat, keeps you feeling confident with your choices, with your money, with your opportunities. It feels like you can do it. And I just really think that's important for women in general and Latina women. You know, I just think it's like there's amazing and strong. It's like a strong culture, but you know, with money too, we just take that same kind of energy and and bring it there. Keep your eye on the money. Love it. Thank you so much, Brittany. This has been so wonderful. And after all these years, finally, I know (laughs) connecting. I know. Thanks so much, Jen, for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. (laughs) 
What did you think? For me, it never fails that each time I interview a guest, I learn something or something new sparks in me that I never thought of, that I never considered from something that they shared. And today was no different with Brittany Castro. She is definitely a wealth of knowledge and such an inspiring millennial. Now, I promised you at the beginning of this episode that I was going to share with you that one thing that you need to do across the board as finances continue to evolve and change over the years. That one thing that you need consistency with is flexibility. Flexibility to adapt with the changing times. Flexibility to make some changes to your goals, budget, your plans. Flexibility to trust that you know what's right for you and your household. You can connect with Brittany over at Mint's website, which is mint.intuit.com. And I have that in the show notes. And there you can find resources to take charge of your financial health, as well as additional personal finance advice from Brittany. If you love this episode and this conversation, I would love it if you can do two things. The two things are share and review. Please share this episode with one person and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts. We make it easy for you by going to the resources section of today's episode. And if you do that, email us at support at jenhemphill.com with a screenshot of the review, and we will put it in our drawing for a free month of our membership, Financially Strong Circle. Now, if you're not familiar with Financially Strong Circle, you can go and learn more at jenhemphill.com forward slash membership. Next week, we get to meet another treasure in our community, Jessica Nelson. If you are at this year's Financially Strong Latina, you will recognize her as one of our speakers. Bueno pues, that is everything. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to tune into the show. You can check out the show notes over at jenhemphill.com forward slash 316. That is jenhempill.com forward slash 316. Remember that being the reina of your money starts now simply with claiming it. I believe in you and so should you. Nos hablaremos el próximo jueves. Chao.